Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well guys, welcome to Calvary HSM at the 5 p.m. service. Um, I'll let you guys grab some seats real quick. It's always exciting to be in the house of the Lord with other people who are like-minded of faith, who are uh, really giving themselves to know who Jesus is. And we have this thing we do here at HSM. Uh, it's the fact that we are a people who exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Here at Calvary, we believe that it's all about Jesus. It's not about lights. It's not about a great worship team. It's not about anything else except the Lord Jesus. And so that's why we exist as our, our group here. Well, uh, if you've never met me before, and this is your first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, and hey, you guys, thank you. Thank you so much. You guys know how to make someone feel awesome. I appreciate it. Well, what we're going to do this evening as we go through uh, the next eight weeks is kind of uh, jump into a new series. We're going through a series called Calvary Next. And really, it's the 2030 vision for our church, meaning main room with our adults are going through this series. They're going through this series in their small groups. Our elementary children are going through this series as well. Like from top to bottom, every area of our church, we're going through this series because we believe that God is doing something new in this season. And I believe that God is doing something new in you. How many guys believe that God is doing something new? I see it. I feel it. And it's amazing to be a part of what God is doing. But before we jump into this, let me ask you guys a question. Do you guys know the queen died? Do you guys know that? Are you like, and, and depending on like where you are in history, uh, whether you were under the British Empire, like for example, my family grew up in Uganda, and so people have strong feelings about the Queen over there. Or uh, people who are in England have different feelings as well. Now we no longer say God save the Queen, we say God save the. It's like it's weird. It's a whole switch. Someone said earlier in our leader meeting that they're actually having to change the actual currency of England. Now, why does this matter at all? Well, this is the point. Depending on where you are in history, like this family story of the queen will like, shape your life differently. And for us specifically, how we are in history with with Jesus and what has happened is going to shape our lives differently. See, today we're looking back so we can look forward. We believe, ultimately, that as tonight and we begin this series, we're looking back through the beginning of the church. Not just like, like small church or like Calvary specifically, but the big church, the real church, like the beginning of all that. And also we're able to look back at the beginning of our church, Calvary Community Church, and we believe strong that as you look back at God's faithfulness, we are given hope for the future that God has for us. The ability to recall and look back at what God has done in the past helps us give us hope for the future. And we're going to be in the book of Acts. So I would encourage you guys to open up your Bibles or smart devices. Acts chapter 2, 14 is we're going to be kicking off this message. And as you guys flip over there or click over there or do all those things, I'll tell you a brief history what's going on here. Jesus, the God-man, has risen from the dead. He's been around 40 days preaching the gospel, right? This is wild. Like, he was dead, not dead anymore, right? People came up from their graves, are walking around, testifying that he was actually, like, dead and now he's alive. And he uh, now has ascended to heaven. He sends his disciples out to go to a place called Jerusalem to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down in 
tongues of fire rests on some people in an upper room, and they begin to speak in other tongues. And we read later on, these tongues were actual languages that people spoke. If you've followed us for a while, we believe, and we've seen this in this context, there were languages that people could hear, and later on, there are actual languages that people could not understand. But in this context, they heard different languages that people could understand. And then people said, what these people were saying made them sound drunk or weird or off. Like they were saying so far out things. Not that they were hearing like tongues that they couldn't understand. They were hearing truths. And if you guys go back and read Acts chapter 2, the verses just before, it says that they were hearing the wonders of God. Now, I would, I would surmise, I would like guess that whatever they were saying in their language, like some of you guys are from Norway originally, or some of you guys are from the Philippines or from Uganda, from wherever, like in your other language, you're hearing clearly the wonders of God. So it's not babbling. It's not nonsense. It's things that are so huge, so crazy, so big, so amazing that only God could do it and it sounds crazy. That's what's happening. And so Acts chapter 2, 14 through 15, Peter stands up amongst these people. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, right? This guy who was restored by Jesus says this. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, it is only the third hour of the day. He said it's too early to be drunk. First of all, that's one excuse, whatever. Depends on where you come from, right? But the reality is this. What they were seeing and hearing about God and his wonders and glories were so wild that people thought they were crazy. Now, when I think about the things that we believe, honestly, I think about Noah, I think about David, I think about things like, like how does David kill Goliath? With the, like that sounds wild. This little boy, he, some people believe he was like 11, 11. 11 is like here, maybe here, depending on where you are, right? But he killed Goliath. How is it that, that, that people like, like Noah were counted for righteousness in the whole world when everyone was living a life of sin. These things do not make sense. When you hear about God, Jesus, the God-man coming down to die for the rebel, that does not make sense at all. And they're hearing all these miracles and wonders of God. And honestly, even in our lives, to the world, God's promises for you, they, they seem and sound ridiculous. They sound foolish. They sound insane. But the Bible says all his promises are yes and amen. I'll challenge you right now to open up your smart device if you have one and just Google God's promises for me in the Bible. And if there's less than a thousand of those, I'll, I'll buy you lunch for the whole year. Dinner. What do you want? Chick-fil-A? I got you. It's not on Sunday. Like Whatever you want to go through, the reality is God has promises for you and he has fulfilled every single one and continues to fulfill every single one. And to the world, that sounds ridiculous. But God himself stands true. He stands true. And for those of us who maybe are trying to figure out what our next steps are in life, he promises in Psalms 36, 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. For those who maybe are alone, I have a feeling of anxiety and separation from people. He promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, 
Do not be afraid or discouraged. He has said that he will be the lifter of our head. There's a guy called Job in the Bible, and Job cursed the day that he was born. So if you've been in a place where you have felt anxiety, discouragement, separation, loneliness, uncertain about your future, guess what? This God, like you don't fit in, like you don't fit in, this God himself has said, I will be the lifter of your head. And this is our history. It says in Acts 2, 16 through 18, Peter's speaking to these people. We're not drunk, but this, what we're hearing, what you're seeing in your time here and now, is was what was prophesied or uttered or spoken to the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. What Joel is saying really is that way back when, Joel, a prophet, believed in God like you. Never seen Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? You seen Jesus? Anyone? Real quick. You've seen him physically. You've seen him? Never seen Jesus. And yet Joel, years before time, is able to prophesy and to speak, not of his own will, but to say that God is going to come and to save his people. He will keep his promises to all of those who love him. This is what he has done. He's never seen him. And yet here he is saying, hey, this is what God prophesied. This is what he said. That in the last days, and if you guys were wondering, when are the last days? The last days actually begin when Jesus went back to heaven and to the time when he returns. Now we're like, why is he, why is he, like, do you really? How long are you going to be gone? Like, come back tomorrow. If we're, like, real, I want him to come back right now. In fact, if you're feeling that tension, right, like me, there's a guy called Paul in the Bible. He goes, man, dude, I, 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 I would rather be in heaven. I'd rather go back and be there. But why does God spend all this time? Why does he spend this time waiting, the elongation of the time? Why does it take so much time for him to come back? Because he's giving room for people, one, to repent, and two, for people like you and I to live to our full calling. And we're going to see what that looks like in the next few texts. But what we do know is this. The fact that Joel prophesied years back and then this happened in Acts means that God is true. And God, if he says something, it's going to come to pass that he always fulfills every single one of his promises. And what I want you guys to do is this. As we think about our history as believers and think about where God has brought us and where he's going to bring us, that we think about how he's going to continue to be a sustaining power. He doesn't just start something and leave it half-ended. Like, have you guys ever, like, baked those random cakes from, like, Target? You put it, like, in a little cup or whatever. You put it in the microwave, and you're like, oh, it's, like, gooey in the, in the inside. You guys ever done those? They're really cool. They're, they're so awesome. You put, like, the little, like, baking stuff inside the cup. You put it in the microwave. And depending on, like, how you do it, it will, like, be fully baked or not. Like, you are not a half-baked. You're not a mistake. You are a complete, full person that God is working on. And we're going to look at this story of our church and how God himself, God himself, did something for our church when people believed the most weird and wild things, and yet here we are in this room as evidence of people who trusted God and held on to his word. Let's put our eyes on the screen. I've had thousands of people say, well, when are you going to build a church? And I always hesitate and count five and say, do you mean a building? Calvary has never been very churchy, even in terms of our architecture. 
We left the little church building and went to a restaurant, country club. The director of the restaurant, the country club, called me after a service. We'd been there about two years, I guess. He said, Larry, we have to talk. I said, what's the problem? What's the concern? He said, well, I can't run a restaurant on Sunday because there's no place to park. Sorry, but you have to leave in about six or eight weeks. We, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to go find someplace else to meet. So uh, we met in the country club and then we found a warehouse. I knew that my mission before I finished at Calvary had to be getting the church to a larger location where God could do more in the future. What? I don't know what. Let's be open to it. Whatever so God wants uh, to do. So but there needs to be a place for it to happen. And one day the mayor of Westlake called me and said, Larry, I want to show you a building. He showed me this building. And I said, what's that about? He said, well, it's left over from the Cold War. It's sitting here empty for the last two years. If this could work for the church in some way, the city would be really very favorable to that. And uh, so we looked at this building and did due diligence on it and uh, made an effort at buying it. So for the next four years, Becky and I would drive by here and say, someday that's going to be the church. And that was the vow we had in our hearts that someday God was going to do that. And it took three or four more years, but it happened. The first Sunday we were in there, we were moving from that building over here. On Palm Sunday, we had a walk, a parade, from one building to the other. And during the week, the people who were in charge of the building project said, Larry, uh, there's no way we can be in there on Easter Sunday. We can't do it. So I said, well, now that we know we can't do it, let's just go out for a miracle and push forward. And on Good Friday afternoon, the fire chief signed a temporary permit for us to be in there on Easter, and close to 10,000 people came. And I, I looked at money and said there were 3,000 more people than we ever could have gotten the other building. And several hundred of them met Christ that Sunday. We had four founding principles in the beginning. Number one was it be Christ-centered. The VIP on Sunday morning was to be Jesus Christ. If somebody walked in here, I don't care who it was, first time here, they're gonna walk out and say, wow, Jesus is important around this place. Everybody had to catch that if they were there one time. Second thing was that it had to be biblically based. And the third part of it was to be culturally relevant. Connect with people where they are, not where you wish they were. And the fourth thing was that we need to be outreach oriented. The joy we feel when we walk in this place on Sunday morning and see people giving their hearts and praise to the Lord is so rewarding. Becky and I are living today with the privilege of seeing the fruit of her faith. When I arrived in the fall of 2008, Calvary Bend through a couple of years of difficulty. Pastor Larry had stepped back from being the senior pastor. A new pastor had come. There was a time of brokenness there at the end of his time. So as we began to rebuild trust after a time of brokenness, we really started thinking about what does God have for us? Our elders started saying from now till 2020. And then God gave us what we called the 2020 vision, Calvary 2020. We launched that in the fall of 2011. We communicated to the congregation. And so we laid out kind of a path and we trusted God for that. We got to watch God bring vision to life. And we watched God provide people and resources. And we saw people come to Jesus, get baptized and, and grow. And so as we embarked on that in the fall of 2011, we had no idea how great a journey it would be. And we had no idea some of the challenges we'd face. We didn't know that we would face a borderline shooting that would take uh, one of our staff members' lives. We didn't know that there'd be a fire the next day that would rage and destroy people's homes in our congregation. We didn't know the kind of commitment that would take to step up and walk with those folks. We also didn't foresee some of the wonderful things that the Spirit would open for us, like our special abilities ministry was not a major focus in the 2020 vision. The young adults ministry was not a major focus, but we watched God birth some things in areas we didn't anticipate. When you look back at the history of Calvary, 
whether you go back almost 50 years or you go back 10 years, 12 years, you see that our God has been faithful. And so as we are on the brink of casting a fresh vision that God has given our leadership, I am on the edge of my seat waiting with expectancy to see what God is going to do as he brings this vision to life. I'm excited about the new things he'll bring that we don't even foresee right now. And I know that when we face challenges, God will be faithful in carrying us through. And I know that through this vision, ultimately, God wants to see more people come to Jesus so they can reach more people for Christ. And that means that we need to continue to be a church that lives and loves like Jesus so others can come to Jesus too. Is that amazing? Like that's... Right? Like, that's, that's the history of our church. And if you guys who are unfamiliar with this, there were six families at the time who decided while this church was potentially dying, should have been gone, six families decided we want to bring a pastor in from the Midwest, and they mortgaged their homes. Now, you guys are like, I don't, I barely pay my gas. What's mean? Like, they, they took out money, like, they basically, like, bet on themselves and said, we're going to put all these things on the line. So we can build this church. And here we are because of that. Now, just like those dreams and those sacrifices sound weird and wild, think about the things in your life where you're like, dude, like, what are the things where I'm like, oh, gosh, one, what can I lay down that's holding me back from the promise of God? What are those things I can lay down? And then two, like, like, geez, am I, am I believing this God is really as big as he says he is? Because if he really is who he says he is, then anything that I'm actually feeling, and don't, don't get me wrong, what you're feeling in disappointment or uncertainty or like even the, the, the sense of loneliness is very real. But the promise that we've seen in this story and the story that we see in Acts is that, that God is stronger and bigger and better and he's able to step into those situations and to hold us and to keep us. And he says in Acts 2.21, uh, 2, he says, And it, can, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, right here, he's speaking specifically about salvation. Locked and loaded, you're going to be with him in heaven forever. Praise God. But do you know that God cares about every single thing that happens in your life? There's nothing too small or minuscule that he says, you know what, that's not as big as raising someone from the dead. You know what Jesus' first miracle was? His first miracle was turning water into wine. Why? So the party could keep going. Like, seriously. When you think about it, you're like, dude, what was his first miracle? He tried to keep the party going. Like, he, the thing you'd be like, oh, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. Not, not the God of the universe. No, no, no. No, his first miracle was not making a blind man see. It was to keep the party going so people could, like, really, like, enjoy and to be a part of what's happening at a wedding feast. And ultimately, that first, that first, that very first, like, miracle was a sign of what he was wanting to do for us. See, he wants to bring us into the joy of who he is so we can enjoy who he is and where he is. And he ultimately cares not for just the big things, but even the small things that we are working through in our life. He said that if you ask him for help, if you call to him, he is promised to save us. In Isaiah 51.9, he says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. You can call to him in the restroom. You can call to him in your car. You can call to him when you're in a tough bind. Wherever you are, he will hear you and he will be there for you. 
Or what does it mean to be saved? N.T. Wright says it this way. To be saved doesn't just mean as it does mean for many today, going to heaven when you die. It's not just that. It's not just fire insurance. It says, he says, it means knowing God's rescuing power, the power revealed in Jesus, which anticipates the present and God's final great act of deliverance. What does this mean? That means because Jesus has saved you, you can have hope for now and you can have hope for tomorrow. You can have hope for now and you can have hope for tomorrow. Not just for, oh, my test coming next week. No, but even the test coming in the future. Meaning he will always be with you. You can always count on him. You will never have no one to be with you, to hold your hand, to conquer the enemy in your life. Acts 2.22, he says to Peter, speaking to the Jews, he goes, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You killed him. You crucified him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. See, not even death can separate God, can separate Jesus from you. There's nothing that can separate him from you. And so as you work through this life and you're like, what, what does my future look like? Know that if God himself wrestled death, beat it so he can come and to save you, that there's nothing else. What, what, what's worse than death? Nothing. And he beat that. He got that. And so we can have confidence that he's going to continue to beat it, continue to be our champion. If you're not here for our worship night, we sing this song, Champion. And we actually, like, because it, it can be weird. What does it mean that he's our champion? Does he mean he's going to do stuff just for me so I can be happy? Well, for, for one, yes. What it means to be blessed. If you look at the word blessed, it means to be happy, to be satisfied, to be full. Yes, for sure. But... We talked about how he himself has conquered not only death, death in the grave, but every single thing in our lives so we can be free in him. And for David in Acts 2.25, which Peter quotes, he says this. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. See, if God was with David, he can also be with us. And that's why we read the Bible. That's why we, we look at this text and we know that it is a living Word In Acts 25, 2, 25 to 26, he says, I saw the Lord before me, David again, for he's at my right hand and I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For David, Jesus was his hope. And for us, Jesus is our hope. We are in the same position as David. When you think about these great people in scripture, think about yourself. Because like those people, you have to live by faith. I'm not saying, oh, I'm awesome, I'm great, I'm Abraham. Even Abraham failed. He failed. But because he trusted God, God sustained him for the future. And this is why we can say we are sons of Abraham. We are people who are seeds of Abraham. We are people who live by faith just like he did. See, again, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our inadequacies. The only thing that stops us from living our God-given purpose, like our God-given identity, is us not believing that God is big enough to do it. But he is big enough to do it. He is, and he has promised to fulfill all of his promises and his will. See, 
like David, in Acts 2, 32-35, it says that David was like a prophet. And in some sense, you also become like a prophet. Again, David's never seen Jesus. But he speaks and he says, my Lord said to my Lord. And people have wondered, like, like is the Holy Spirit, is Jesus in the Old Testament? Boom. Here's one of those, those verses. David in Psalms goes, my Lord says to my Lord. Like, who's he, who's he speaking to? No one else? Random. No, he's speaking about Jesus. And he's quoted here in Acts chapter 2. And he speaks and he says this, my Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What does this mean specifically? One, that this book is not just a history book. Because it is also a history book, okay? 100%. Like, if you, if you go and look online, people reference this Bible, this book, that's written by people through centuries, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to reference, like, history and things that have happened in time. So, yes, it is an accurate history book. And if people can use that book even to reference things of the world, like, how much more can you reference it for your day-to-day life? I mean, there's some validity here that other people who don't believe it, who think you're crazy, see in this book. There's truth here. It's not just a history book. This is a book of fulfilled prophecy, of fulfilled promises. This is not an empty word. This is our life. It says this in, in Acts 2, 36 through 37. And as the worship team comes up, we read this text. It says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, we heard this message. They heard this message of their history, heard this message of hope, heard this message of promises, heard this message of that God has a plan for them. The Bible says that they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. They heard this truth and they were cut to the heart. And they responded, what shall we do? And I ask you this question, what shall you do? What will you do? Because the world, in some sense, says, this is wild. But then they want to validate some of their things using the same scripture. And they like, can you pick and choose? Like, you can't do that. You can't have your cake or is it baker cake? Eat it too? You guys help me. I didn't grow up here. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, like you can't have both ends of that. Like, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We don't get to pick and choose what is truth because ultimately, if there is no truth, then there's no absolute. And God is that standard. He sets that for us. My response to you would be this. I would say you should do some of these things. One of them would be this. Trust God. Trust God with your, and just fill in the blank. Trust God with your relationship. Trust God with your heartache. Trust God with your sickness. Trust God with your future. Some of you guys are in your senior year trying to figure out what's kind of going to be happening next year or the next few months. You're applying to schools and some that got back to you. Like, trust God with that. Because the Bible says, if he can care for sparrows. You guys ever seen sparrows, right? People are like, is this going to be a conspiracy theory? No. Okay. Right. Like, the birds are not like drones or spying on us. But the Bible says literally, like, think about these sparrows who don't sow or reap or do all these things. But God takes care of them. And then he asks this question, aren't you more worth than sparrows? Don't you have more worth than those little birds who don't do anything like that? Like, where did they go in the middle of storms? Like, where were they in the middle of the fires? And yet here they are, flourishing. Aren't you more worth than these sparrows? Acts 2.38, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For that promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. Everyone who calls on the Lord 
And, if any, and, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And we believe that as part of our body here, one, we are people who live a life of repentance, meaning we come to God with all of who we are, and we say, God, help me. Make me new. Change me. And actively, he does. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in that process of becoming like me to live in love like him. And we do that by going to a small group, learning about who he is, and really, literally scrubbing our brains. It's a weird term, terminology. But Romans 12 says that we are to transform our minds by reading this word, by giving our, literally our brains, giving us like a, a reset. Like you are new, fresh out the Ziploc bag. You guys ever done like a Ziploc bag? Like a super fresh, like new smell? I shop at Target, forgive me, whatever. Like the thing is like it's a new thing. He wants to do something new in you. And by being in, in a context where other people are living like that, we get to receive that blessing. We believe that people who are like you, found people, find other people. And that's why this room has people in it. Because someone in this room was invited by someone else. Not because of this guy from Africa or because, like, there's, like, awesome worship music or because, like, you have, have AC. You guys got AC in your houses, I hope. I don't have AC in my house. That's why I'm here more often. Anyway, the point is this, right? Like, you're here because you've heard that God is doing something new. And God is continuing to do something new. We have a hope and a future in Jesus. And for us... If you don't mind helping me, Allie, thank you so much. Give it up for Allie. Can I have Tyler? Is Tyler in the room? Oh, give it up for Tyler. All right, all right, all right, all right. Cool. Oh, you're just going to hold it, my brother. Don't worry, don't worry. Nothing wild. Promise. Well, I don't promise. Okay. So, along this line, if you hold it a little tighter, Along this line, I could literally plot points of, like, reference. And I'm sure you guys could plot points of reference in your life. Where maybe at 10 years old, what grade are you in 10 years old? 10 years, fifth grade. Fifth grade, oh my gosh, fifth grade is awesome. Um, your heart got broken, oh, horrible. Jeez, I'm so sorry. Right, 10, oh, jeez, I don't know, why? All right, quick. But, but you got to, like, 15, which is what? What grade are you in 15? Freshman, and you got Astahoko. Hey, which is pretty awesome. Or, or check it out, or not. Don't worry about it. The reality, hey, hey, between you and me, secrets, okay, secrets. People who don't get Astahoko tend to have great marriages. Hey, move forward. All right, yay, okay, cool. And then, check it out. You get to like what, six, seven, oh, here we go. 18? 18. You're graduating high school, maybe? Right? Graduating high school and you're trying to go to what school? GCU. You're trying to go to GCU, but guess what? Guess what? You don't go in. Oh, bummer. 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 Horrible. It's rough. It's a rough life, right? Now, from here to here, there have been a lot of things that have happened to you, right? There's a lot of, like, different things, ups and downs. Maybe 25, you meet someone and you date for, like, a year. And you actually get married. Praise God. Like, heck yeah, right? And then Pastor Aaron does your wedding. And then, like, you know, like, hey, whoa. Like, it's awesome, right? But this is the point. That from your birth up to 
some point, now somewhere here there's going to be a time when if you're not a believer, it ends. And it's done. Right? It's done. And through all this time, there's been one consistent thing in this line. It's been the presence of a faithful God who's, who's held you through all those times. See, when you broke your heart at, oh, so sad, <laughs> 10, he was there. He was there, right? And maybe he brought someone like a small group leader to be there with you or to pray with you. And maybe along the line somewhere else, you, you got, what age were you? Thank you, 15. All right, you, you're at this point and your heart's broken, whatever. And, dude, guess what? Like, there's people who are with you to be there with you, to celebrate life with you. And then you go all the way down. Like, throughout this whole thing, you can see. And I want you guys to try this. Go back home, right, and draw a line and be like, where was the high point in my life? What was the low point in my life? And then think about the circumstances that surrounded all those points. And really think about how God was faithful through those times. Now, if you're a believer... This line keeps going. This line keeps going and going and going and going. 95 is nothing on you, all right? 99 is nothing on you. Guess what? You're dead. But guess what? You're back in heaven because eternity, right? Like it keeps going. It keeps going and going. And the one consistent thing that happens to be a sustaining power through your life is God. The point is this. That through all this rope, through all these points in your life, there has been one faithful God who will never leave you nor forsake you. You can look back to the beginning. You can look back to the middle. That's why we encourage you to read this Bible because through all those points, you have a God who's always going to fulfill his promises. My brothers and sisters, I would encourage you to do this. If you've not given your life to Jesus, this story, you're on this, this line at some point. If you have given your life to Jesus, you're on this line at some point. I would ask that you would say, God, like, show me where I am in this place. Like, I'm, is, is my joy fulfilled by, like, my own needs, my own desires, or what I'm thinking? Or, God, are you carrying me through all these moments? Are you holding me through all these moments? I don't want you to be carried. I want you to be held. I want you to be kept safe. I want you to feel the pain of life and yet have the comfort of the Holy Spirit through it all. And what we're going to do the next few moments is we have an opportunity to, one, commune with God through our prayer wall. And it's a way where you can write down, like was explained earlier, God, like, I, I just want to be real with you. Like, write a letter to God. I need you in my life. Or you want to say, hey, God, like, thank you for being present. Or, God, where are you? That's also very okay. There's moments in my life along this line where I was like, God, where are you in this mess? That's okay. But give it to God and trust that this God is big enough to hold your fears, your anticipation. Also trust that he's able to give you hope for your future. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for... This time, And thank you for the opportunity to come before you, to trust you with our lives, dear God, to be able to say, God, we don't know sometimes. We don't know what the future holds for us. And so, Lord, we trust you to have our future. We can look back to our past and see your faithfulness to give us hope for what you have for us in the future. And for those of us in this room who have never experienced that, Lord God, speak to their hearts tonight, Lord God, by the power of your spirit, like it says in Acts. Let them be cut to the heart, Lord God, and let them respond the same way those people did, Lord God, by giving their lives to you. We thank you. We praise you. Just me pray. Everybody said.
Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part of our family. God bless.